everybody, Jeff Antoniak here, Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. So today I wanna to talk about how to swing better, how to swing harder. And we're gonna talk about articulation. For my money, articulation is one of the main things that helps us swing. We're gonna talk about what that is. And now, as always, this is for all instruments. The concepts are the same, whether you're playing saxophone or piano, whether you're singing or playing bass, it doesn't matter. So let's dig into this a little bit. And uh, let me play a little bit for you right out of the gate. This is Charlie Parker's tune, Anthropology. Okay, can we agree that swung? I hope that swung, I thought it swung all right. Now, <clears throat> here's where I wanna start. Those eighth notes I was playing were straight. Those eighth notes were mostly straight. So, a lot of us have been taught that swing is this triplety kind of feel. This idea that da do do da do do da do do da. So at a slow tempo, that kind of works. At a slow tempo like that, da do da do da da da, we sort of get this metric swing deal. Well, when we get faster, I would say two-thirds of the jazz tempos we play out, the faster two-thirds of tempos, this isn't a metric thing. It isn't about subdividing exactly. It's much more about how we play the notes, and that makes them swing, okay? So when I was playing anthropology there, I was articulating in a way that made those relatively straight eighth notes swing. So there it is. So for a lot of us, this is gonna be news. Now I will say, I uh, did a version of this video like a year and a half ago, way back when, one of my early videos, and I just wanted to do sort of a newer, cleaner version for all the Digging Deeper folks. There's thousands and thousands of you out there that haven't seen those videos, so I, that's exactly what I wanna do here today. So, um, and now I, I just have to say this. Um, we've all heard sort of the old school quotes. I don't even know who they're attributed to anymore, but you know, man, swing. If you don't know what it is, I can't tell you what it is. You know, those sort of hipster bullshit is, uh, let's call it that, hipster bullshit. Um, part of bebop and jazz was this counterculture thing. And it was these very young guys making their statement, right? And doing something different. Um, by the way, this is my dog. I don't know if you can see him down here, but he's helping out today. That's Boomerang. So um, this counterculture statement, right? So, but but some of us have paid attention to that BS, like, oh man, I you know I'm I I, I didn't grow up with this music. Well, I didn't grow up with this music. Uh, I'm not African American. I'm not from the United States. I'm from Canada. So there's a zillion reasons why, according to the old hipster BS, I shouldn't be able to swing. Guess what? I learned how to swing. Okay, so I wanna put that aside. Wherever you're at, especially you adult amateurs who I'm talking to, 
you guys can learn how to do this. I've taught a lot of people. I've taught myself. I've had great teachers teach me. So, okay, let's dig into this. Now, uh, so we've agreed that this triplet idea isn't exactly what it's about. So I've got a PDF handout, as always, that I'd love to send you. And it's actually a two-page article that I wrote for a magazine. Uh, I can't actually remember. It may have been Jazz Ed magazine or something like that a number of years ago. Wrote an article about articulation and how this is such an important thing to practice and work on as individuals, but also when we're working with a band, when we're trying to get a big band together, when we're trying to get a jazz choir singing together, when we're trying to get three people in Art Blakey's band, three horns, you know, playing those melodies together. That's articulation. So let me go down these rules, and you heard me play all that stuff when I played anthropology earlier. Rule number one, jazz is legato music. That is probably one of the most important things I can say. Uh, when in doubt, articulate less. Most of us articulate far too much. We've all heard this before. So that was overly triplety, too many triplets, and there was this da, 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 da. I was banging out every syllable of the music, to use an analogy, right? If I were to talk like this, that would be a drag, right? So the syllables that I'm speaking, some have an accent, some don't. That gives it a flow. That gives me my accent that's different from your accent when you speak English, right? So that idea of do not over-articulate. Jazz is legato music. So when we hear Charlie Parker play... When he plays Donna Lee like that, that was legato, right? Or playing Segment by Charlie Parker, a more angular tune. That crazy angular line was legato. It was angular, it was articulated, but it was legato. So that's a big thing so many of us have to learn is how to get out of the way. And I'll tell people this, and they'll go back and practice, practice, I tell them, okay, practice, come back in two weeks. And they've done, they've gotten like 60% of the way there. It's so hard to get out of the way of yourself with this stuff. Rule number two, play the shape of the line. So what that simply means is if you were to take a pencil and connect the note heads of a melody you're playing, and it kind of makes a graph with peaks and valleys, that is your articulation. So wherever there's a high note, so a note surrounded by two lower notes, a high note, you would put a sideways accent over that note. Wherever, so playing the shape of the line, you would crescendo up and give an articulation. Wherever the line goes down, especially when there's a deep valley, a low note surrounded by two higher notes, we would ghost that note, perhaps. We wouldn't play it with full value. So let me go back to anthropology and play you just the first couple phrases and you'll see what I mean. So that's enough. I'm gonna play that over and over again. You see that those 10 notes, the first 10 notes of the song, have three accents. There's two accents on the end of two 
and on beat three, and then there's a short note on the end of four. We're going to talk about that short note in just a minute. So I'm talking about the two high notes there. That is a big deal to be able to hit those high notes. Now, I'll tell you what, on the saxophone, I've, the saxophone hates doing that. The trumpet hates it. The voice hates it. Most instruments do not like smacking a note like that out of nowhere. You're going to want to squeak or miss pitch or be out of tune. You'll be sharp or flat depending on your instrument or there'll be a fret buzz or Lord knows what. You'll get it too much. You'll get it too little. There's a thousand ways to get this wrong. So that's what I want you to practice. So when you're practicing this stuff, slow motion, really, really slowly. And that's how I learned how to do this stuff at the University of North Texas when I went there years and years ago. My first semester of lessons, my first 13 weeks of lessons, I don't think I got off the first line of this song. It was over and over again trying to get it perfect. So it's hitting the high note, but the reverse, the corollary of that rule is when there's a low part, we sort of ghost it. Let me do it again. Rules one and two. Was it legato? Entirely. My airstream never stopped. Or if you're playing electric bass, the sound never stops between notes. But there's an angularity because of the shape of the line. Play it legato, hit the shape of the line. Rule number three, in bebop, in this style, in bebop, and so many styles that came from bebop, we end the last note of a phrase short. And specifically, the last two eighth notes of every phrase, think bebop. Ba-do-ba-da-ba-da-ba-bebop. Sorry for the singing. And so now, like I said, this is for bebop, but this is for so many Brazilian styles. This is for funk and rock playing. It all came from bebop. So let me play a couple phrases now and listen to my last eighth notes. Here we go. So I was overdoing it a little bit, but those last two notes, bebop. Now, cool story. I got to spend a week with Dizzy Gillespie up in Canada when I was in college up in Canada in the mid, late 80s. Dizzy Gillespie came to the college I was at. He was in town for a week and he came to the college like almost every day. It was incredible hanging out with Dizzy Gillespie and him rehearsing our big band and just telling stories. It was insane. So he told this story about where the name Bebop came from. I heard it from Dizzy Gillespie's mouth. He could have been making it up. I don't care. It's a fantastic story and it's an educational story. So the story was, he and Charlie Parker are at Minton's Playhouse in New York, young guys like inventing this music along with Kenny Clark on drums and you know everybody else. And the, the music was very different. It was very reactionary. It was, you know, as, as the music of a lot of uh, young generations reacts against what came before. What came before bebop historically? It was 
swing, right? So think about a Duke Ellington song like in a mellow tone. Those phrase endings were long notes with these long tapers and, and vibrato, right? And this fluffy sound, romantic sounding, all that, right? The uh, bebop stuff was not romantic sounding. It was hard. It was industrial. It was, you know, it wasn't meant for dancing. Swing was meant for dancing. This was meant to sit your ass down and listen, right? So that was very different. So the music was a faster tempo very often hard to dance to, right? It was angular, not smooth. And the phrase endings were abrupt. Everything was snapped off. It sounded ugly to a lot of people. Um, the tone of the instruments was brighter. It was harder. Again, this kind of urban sound, right? So now, Dizzy Gillespie's story. So they're playing this music, and, and some reviewer comes out from the New York Times or whatever and hates it. Hates it. And the next day writes a scathing review about this nasty bebop music that they're playing at, you know, on 52nd Street. And um, he coined that term. This reviewer, whoever it was, heard. It was sort of an automatopoeic, onomatopoeic, however you pronounce that, um, thing where the he heard the ends of the phrases being ba ba da bebop ba da ba da bebop and it was ugly to him and it stood out. And so he coined that phrase, this nasty bebop music. And so Dizzy got on stage being the smart ass he was the next night and says, hey, we're gonna play some of that bebop music that the uh, Times like so much. That was his story. And like I say, I, I don't know if that's historically accurate. I've never checked it out, but I heard him tell me that story. And I love it because it tells us rule number three from Dizzy Gillespie's mouth, bebop. So you have to end the last two notes like that, bebop. It's not bip, bip. It's not short, short. Bebop. The B, there's a percussion to it, the B sound, but it's open at the end, B. It's not bip, it's B. The last one is bop, right? So there's a beginning and an end to that last note. B bop. They're legato. They're legato, right? Rule number one. B bop. Not bip bip. That wouldn't be legato. B bop. The last one is kind of popped too, right? It's not b ba. It's b bop. It's not bop b. It's perfect, isn't it? It's perfect. Rule number three. Your phrase endings are b bop, and people will teach with different syllables. You know, I love it because we're talking about the style of bebop and Dizzy told the story. So there it is. Now you have a good Dizzy Gillespie story that, uh, you know, you're like two degrees of separation away from. Cool. And now rule number four. And, and the first three rules are pretty hard and fast rules. Rule number four is, let's call it a 70% rule. And this rule is offbeat quarter notes are typically detached. So this song, I picked Anthropology because it has a number of offbeat quarter notes. So if you look in the sixth measure of the tune, there's uh, three offbeat quarter notes. And then there's some more in the first ending, too. Those offbeat quarter notes. So sometimes they're written as an offbeat quarter note but sometimes they're written as two eighth notes tied together. But when they functionally are an offbeat quarter note, they will be played detached. Not staccato, but detached. We also see it in the fourth measure of the B section. 
So let me play, uh, let me play the bridge and you'll see what I mean. So I'll play it long this time in the fourth measure. So it doesn't, it doesn't pop as much. It's not, it's still syncopated as the exact same rhythm, but it's how we play the rhythm. To my ear, it bops a little more. It pops a little more. It's lighter. It sounds more syncopated or angular. So I would say six or seven out of 10 times when you see offbeat quarter notes, play them detached. Here's the thing, 10 out of 10 times, play them detached and be open to the composer or the arranger or the conductor saying, now nah, let's do those legato. There are times, definitely times, when we want them legato. And it's just a matter of how the melody sits. It's, it's a little bit hard to tell. Um, but of course, you can go listen to how Charlie Parker or whoever's song it was played them, and now you'll know. But I'm here to tell you, seven out of ten times, it's going to be that detached quarter note thing. So those four rules are something to be working on. Legato. Jazz is legato music, all right? Number two is we want to play the shape of the line. Number three, bebop phrase endings when you're playing bebop, right? And number four is this idea of detached offbeat quarter notes. The first three rules are the real strong ones and where it's at. So now, like I said, this stuff is easy to understand. I'm sure you could repeat these rules back. I'm sure they even ring true in your ear. If they don't, listen to some of your favorite music. I give you a money back guarantee. Your heroes are doing this stuff, okay? So now, uh, practicing it. So the biggest thing I can say is incredibly slowly. Um, if this is new stuff to you, like I started playing electric bass three or four years ago, and to be able to do this, to be able to accent something and not hit the note too hard, not hit the note too soft, or when I'm trying to ghost a note, play one of the lower notes in the line, to not totally miss it, right? Not to lift my finger up too soon so that it's not legato. There's a hundred ways to get it wrong. So practice this stuff very, very slowly and you will get there. So I hope this has uh, opened your, your brain a little bit to what swing is. First of all, it's teachable. This is learnable, teachable stuff. And yes, absolutely. People have aptitude. Somebody has a deeper sense of swing. They listen to this from when they were in the womb. Definitely. That's a thing. I get it. But we can all learn to be at a really, really decent level. You can practice this stuff. You can learn it. It's not about the triplety feel all the time. So think about that. A lot of your favorite swing music is straight eighth notes, but it sounds like it swings because of the shape of the melodies and because of how the person plays it and these rules. So if you put all this stuff together, you're gonna to be swinging better, you're gonna be swinging harder, but you're gonna to have to deal with your instrument, your voice, whatever it is, to learn the technique of how to pull this stuff off. So hey, thank you so much for tuning in here. As always, I'd love to send you the PDF. Please do subscribe to these videos and share them with other people. I want other people to be uh, getting this stuff. And now, by the way, you've heard me talk about Jazzwire, which is coming September 1, 2018. This is the kind of stuff I'm gonna help you practice week in, week out. So Jazzwire is gonna be a very, very cool place. So please get in contact with, with me. I'd love to get you more information on that and we can dig in and get a lot of work done. Thanks so much. See you next time.